Our text of emphasis this uh, morning is found in Matthew chapter 28 and starts with verse 1. This is Matthew chapter 28 and verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now we have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. Uh, They came to him and grabbed his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. And when the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say uh, this. His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Oh God, as we uh, consider this Uh, narrative, the story this morning. We pray for wisdom and understanding of what you have here for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, somewhat surprisingly, uh, last uh, Sunday morning at 6.30 as we gathered in the park to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, uh, 40 of you showed up, which was, yeah, was surprising. I mean, it's 6.30 in the morning, on a Sunday morning. Anyway, I want to thank those of you who came out. We had a good time uh, remembering the events uh, that are described here in Matthew chapter uh, 28. The women, Mary, and others, that the two Marys, going to uh, the tomb to find Jesus and finding the tomb uh, empty. In, in this story here in uh, Matthew, and by the way, this is one of those... Uh, Uh, descriptions or narratives that is described in all four of the Gospels, describe these events of Mary, the two Marys going to the tomb. And so in this story, we see Mary, uh, Mary Magdalene, Jesus' good friend, and Mary's mother uh, getting up early in the morning to go to finish the work that they were unable to do on the Friday of Jesus' death because the Sabbath was coming, that of anointing him. And so uh, we're told in Mark and Luke that, that they had spices with them, and so their hands are full, and they are headed off to the tomb. And while they're walking, there was an earthquake, apparently, at the tomb. Whether they sensed that or not, we don't know, but there was an earthquake at the tomb. The stone is rolled away. 
the, uh, the guards who were commissioned to be there overnight fall out uh, because they're terrified. And so when the women, when Mary, the two Marys get there, uh, the stone is rolled away and they meet uh, an, an angel. Actually, it says the angel of uh, the Lord. So the angel of the Lord is there. And so they have this com conversation with the angel of the, of the Lord who instructs them uh, about what's happened, reminds them uh, that Jesus had predicted this would happen and that this was the fulfillment of uh, biblical prophecy and then uh, tells them to go and tell the men who are, I guess, sleeping in back home and uh, to get them up. You know, the women were up early, the men, the men were sleeping away. So to go back and tell them that they're to meet Jesus in uh, Galilee. And so uh, the women take off. And then a really uh, interesting thing happens. Uh, Jesus shows up. Now there's really, there's really no reason for Jesus to show up at this point. Uh, he doesn't add uh, here anything to, to the story. Uh, he, they've already been instructed to go back. The, women have been married, the two Marys have been instructed to go back and tell the men that uh, Jesus wants to meet them in Galilee. Message done. Everything's okay. So Jesus shows up and there's really no reason for it other than that, the fact that he just wants to be with them. In fact, he greets them, we're told. He greets them. And so, of course, they are astounded that they have met Jesus on the way, uh, even though this is an unnecessary part of the, of the narrative in the sense that Jesus isn't bringing any new information. What a great picture of, a, of, of Jesus who is just excited to see his mom, excited to see one of his best friends, and just can't wait until they get to Galilee, he's going to meet them on, on the road and just reiterate a message that has already been uh, given to them. And so they have this moment together. Jesus, again, affirms that they don't need to be afraid. And we're told that, uh, that they head off and do indeed go back and tell the men what's going on. And so as, uh, as we think about this uh, narrative, we recognize that uh, the two Marys experienced uh, something kind of uh, unique in this uh, moment, that uh, they had the opportunity to experience both fear and joy at the same uh, time. Fear and joy at the same time. And it's uh, this issue of fear and joy that uh, I want to talk about a little bit more in detail today. You know, fear and joy together create an interesting uh, mix. Have you ever experienced fear and joy at the same time? Fear and joy at the same time? Um, the, as I was thinking about this, the number one uh, moment that jumped out to me is that uh, first uh, date that I went on with my, my wife. Uh, the first time that we went on a date. Have you ever been on a, a first date with someone before? Did you have that, that mixture of fear and joy? I mean, may, maybe you're much smoother than I, I am. That's, that's probably undoubtedly true, but uh, there was definitely anticipation, fear. Is, 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 is this going to work? Is, is, is she going to be into me? Am I going to be into her? The anticipation, but also joy that she said yes. Can't believe it. Fear and, fear and joy together. It's a really, really interesting mix. I mean... A fear comes right from the, from the unknown, not sure what's going to happen, uh, are we going to be safe, is there going to be danger, and joy comes from the potential of what could happen. And so it's not uncommon for us to have this experience of, of fear, these emotions of fear and joy mixed 
to together. And certainly in this circumstance for these uh, women who are going bad, Mary, the two Marys, uh, joy, joy at the implications of Jesus is alive, that the promise of the Messiah is true. Keep in mind that for them, the idea that the Messiah had been prophesied for hundreds of years, people had been waiting for this idea of Messiah to, to become real for them. And so now it's confirmed because uh, he was dead and he's back to life. He's got to be the Messiah. And so there was incredible joy certainly around that and the emotion that they, that they must have experienced just coming to a realization that everything that they had hoped for and everything that Jesus had talked about and taught was indeed true. He was back to life after having been dead. But certainly there was also fear because, I mean, a dead person was alive. God is real. Uh, God intervenes in the work of this world. Uh, Jesus is the Messiah. Not only is that uh, something to bring joy, but there may have been some fear associated with that. What are, what are the implications of this? Uh, Jesus isn't just our, our brother and our teacher and our, our, our resident rabbi and philosopher. Jesus is, is the, the creator God. There's some fear that had to be associated with this. And so this mixture of fear and joy creates an, a, a really, really interesting a mix. And so these, these women are struck by this. But, but here's the, the problem as we think about our own situation uh, many of us in our interaction with God, uh, when he reveals himself to us, have an imbalance in this, in this area of fear and joy. Uh, we may resonate with the two Marys who experience both of these emotions at some, some level, but our experience is marked, uh, when we think about God revealing himself, is marked far more by fear than it is by joy. Far more by, by fear than it is with joy. So when we think about God revealing himself, to us, that brings more fear than joy. That's the experience, quite frankly, of many people, even many uh, Christians. Like, if God is really going to reveal himself, that is somewhat uh, terrifying. And so, uh, what is it about that that makes us afraid? What is it about God revealing himself to us that causes us to be afraid? So I have a, a couple responses to that uh, to that. Uh, question our key question today what is it about God revealing himself to us that causes uh, fear uh, firstly when God reveals himself to us we become profoundly aware of the magnitude of God's power I mean you think about uh, the implications that they had to think about in that moment when they recognized that Jesus was alive when he met them the, 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 their minds had to get wrapped around the fact that again somebody who was dead could now be alive again this is not natural. God is clearly more powerful than they could uh, even imagine. And, of course, there are many other narratives that, that uh, emphasize this, but one in particular, and we think of uh, Luke chapter uh, 8. It's another story of the disciples that happened before this, this one in Matthew 28. In Luke chapter 8, a familiar story where uh, Jesus is in a, a boat with his disciples, and he's been uh, teaching and preaching, and he's exhausted, and so... Uh, they're out on the, on the uh, lake, and he's in the back of the boat sleeping, and a storm uh, comes up, and it's terrifying. And the disciples are absolutely terrified. They think that they're going to uh, die. And verse 24 of Luke chapter 8 says, The disciples went and woke up Jesus saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up 
and rebuked the wind and the raging waters, and the storm subsided, and all was calm. Now, they were terrified at the storm, but they were even more terrified about a person who could stand up and rebuke a storm, and the storm stopped. Wouldn't that freak you out? I mean, that's some scary stuff. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? Now, at this point, they've been hanging out with him long enough, and they heard his sermons, and certainly they, they had heard his, 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 his dialogue about being God's son. But in this moment, when everything got real, they had to ask themselves, Who is this? Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. When God reveals himself to us, it, it makes us aware of the magnitude of his power, and that can be terrifying. Uh, secondly, wrestling with this question, why do we get afraid when God reveals himself to us? When God reveals him to, uh, himself to us, it often reveals our own shortcomings. When God reveals himself to us, it reveals our own shortcomings. It's been said that when you are feeling inadequate, there are four uh, basic responses. So when you recognize that you have shortcomings and that you're inadequate in, in maybe a particular area, there are, there are four basic responses. Uh, response number one, ignore it. Right? I am inadequate. I, I'm not, I'm, I have a shortcoming in this area. It's, it's not, I'm not gonna, just not going to think about it. And maybe it won't have an effect on any other area in my life. Have you guys ever done this before? You recognize a shortcoming, you're just going to pretend that it doesn't exist, right? Ignore it. Uh, the second strategy when we have shortcomings is to change your situation. Um, I have an inadequacy in that, this thing. I'm just going to uh, get out of this situation. Put myself in another circumstance where I don't have a shortcoming or an inadequacy. And so... That's the second strategy. A third strategy is to change your performance. Well, if I'm inadequate and, um, and I have a shortcoming, I just need to, do, to practice more. I need to uh, read some more books. I need to take some classes and I need to, to get it together. And so we, we change our performance to try to overcome our shortcomings or inadequacies. Or finally, we just change our expectations. Well, I was aiming too high. I'll just forget those expectations. We're going to aim lower. I don't, I don't know that that's a strategy for, for success. But uh, change, your, change your expectations. So we ignore it. We change our situation. We change our performance. We change our expectations. All ways to deal with our inadequacies or our shortcomings. But when God reveals himself uh, to you, these responses, they just don't seem to work. I mean, if God shows up in your experience... Uh, ignoring it is probably not going to, to help or uh, change your situation. What are you going to do? God has revealed himself to you. Uh, where are you going to go? Uh, change your performance? You're never going to live up to the expectations of yourself or, or, or even God for that matter. Changing your expectations? Uh, consider this uh, a story. This is from the prophet Isaiah, and it's found in Isaiah chapter 6 and 
uh, verse 1. Our shortcomings are revealed when God reveals himself to us. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, In the year that uh, King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, says Isaiah. I saw him high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and on and on. And then, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, they said, and the whole earth is full of his glory. So Isaiah is seeing this uh, revelation of a God. At the sound of their voices, the, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And then Isaiah says uh, these words, Woe to me. Woe to me. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When Isaiah saw a revelation of who God was, uh, the, the, the strategy of ignoring it or changing the situation or changing his own performance or changing his expectations, it doesn't work. All that he knew was he was inadequate. Woe to me. I am ruined. I am unclean. When God reveals himself to us, unfortunately, it shows a lot of our messiness, a lot of our brokenness, a lot of our, our, our dirt. And that can be terrifying. I mean, we do everything we can to hide our dirt, to hide our brokenness, to hide our junk. And so when God reveals himself to us, and all of that is stripped away. Our shortcomings are out there, and that is terrifying. Finally, uh, when God reveals himself to us, we are forced. We are forced to make a, a decision. Uh, when God reveals himself, we have to decide whether we are going to embrace this thing, whether we're going to believe in this thing or not. And listen... Uh, the reality is many of us have a very hard time making a decisions. There is a, uh, there, there is a, a phobia, decidophobia, the, the, the fear of uh, making uh, decisions. And we are afraid of making decisions for various reasons. We think that if we go one way and it's not correct, it's going to affect our, the other way, you know, the, the, the classic fear of missing out. If I do this thing, then, uh, then it's gonna, I'm not going to be able to do another thing. Uh, but when God reveals himself to us, we kind of have to make a decision. I'm in on this or not. And that can be terrifying. And so there, there's, there's, there's rightfully fear in this journey of God revealing himself to us. When God reveals himself to us, it uh, makes us aware of his power. It shows our own shortcomings and it makes us have to make a decision about what we're going to be as people and what we're going to follow and what we're going to what we're going to embrace. So as we uh, recognize that uh, oftentimes our experience with a God is overshadowed by our fears, uh, we, have to, we have to ask the question, what hope do we have? How do we overcome the uh, fear that seems to be almost innately a part of the human experience when they first see God's revelation to them. It's, it's time and time again. You read the stories of the Bible time and time again. When people first see a revelation of, of God, whatever that 
however that shows up to them, it often involves fear. So how do you overcome the, the fear that comes from God revealing himself uh, to us? Well, we can take heart in the words actually of Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 28, our text of emphasis today. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 10, as I mentioned, Jesus showed up for uh, the two Marys. And what he said to them is very simple. He's just reiterating what the angel had said before. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The words of Jesus when God is revealed to us are this. Very simple. Don't be afraid. Now I think this is really fantastic uh, news. Because listen, I know that there are some of you here today who are terrified of many things in life, but are, are particularly terrified of, of God and what God may want to do in your experience and what it means if God is actually real and if God is actually active. And so the words of Jesus here are designed to give us comfort when we're fearing, ter ter terrified that God has revealed himself to us in a particular way. And the words are simple. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. That's good news. Don't be afraid. Listen, guys, we live in a world of fear, right? I mean, it's out of control. Everybody is afraid of everything. The words of Jesus are designed for us here and now in 2018. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If God has revealed himself to you in a particular way, don't be afraid. God is wanting to do something in you. Secondly, as we wrestle with that question, what hope do we have since we are, are people of, of fear? We can take heart in the, the narrative, the story of what happened to Jesus after he rose again. As I mentioned, it's like he couldn't, he couldn't stay away. The angel did their job. They sent the message, go tell the guys that they're to meet me in Galilee. But Jesus couldn't stay away. He wanted to be with his mom. He wanted to see his, his mother. He wanted to see his good friend, Mary. And so they run back. And they, they run back to tell, the, to tell the guys, hey, Jesus has is, is, is instructed us to go to Galilee. Meanwhile, we're told that there are two other disciples and they're heading out of the city and they're really bummed out about what's happened. They don't know about the tomb being opened and so they're bummed out and so they're walking out uh, along the road and a third man joins them and starts talking with them and dialoguing with them. And you know who that third man was? They didn't know. At the dinner table, they recognized it was Jesus. All right? Jesus shows up for these guys. So then the women go back, and they're meeting with the disciples, and they're like, you're not going to believe this. And they're like, well, you're right. We don't believe this. And they run to the tomb, and then they run back, and they're all debating how is this possible, and they're trying to wrap their minds around this, and Jesus shows up again. He shows up to the, the disciples. Now keep in mind, he's already told the women, I'm going to see you in Galilee. He just can't stay away. He, he meets them on the road. He, he, he follows another two guys. Now they're all debating, is this possibly real? And he shows up among them, and they are just, it's unbelievable. Jesus is among them. And then they find out Thomas. What was Thomas doing? Thomas was not there. Thomas was not there when Jesus showed up the first time among the disciples. And so Thomas comes, and they're like, you're not going to believe this. Uh, Jesus shows up, and he's like, I am not going to believe it until I see it. And you know what happens? Jesus shows up again. 
He shows up again. He keeps showing up. This is good news. First, he tells them, don't be afraid. But then, even though they're still wrestling with the implications and probably, quite frankly, still afraid, he keeps showing up in their experience. And this is what God wants to do in our experience, too. When he reveals himself to us, he wants to encourage us, don't be afraid. But he also, he didn't just say that. He keeps showing up when we need him in ways in which sometimes we're, 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 we're not always aware of. But he wants to be present to us. Don't be afraid. And then he doesn't just leave us alone and say, I'll see you at some time in the future. He keeps showing up in our times of need. Listen, I know there are some of you here today who are afraid. Afraid for the future. Afraid for what God has already revealed to you. Afraid. Jesus says, don't be afraid. And then he will keep showing up in your experience. That is his promise. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. There is no fear in love. In fact, perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who, is, who fears has to be made perfect in love. The good news is that when Jesus came and died on the cross for you and for me, that was a, a, an example of perfect love. That was an act of perfect love. God has revealed his perfect love to us and that perfect love is designed to push out fear in our experience. The world is a mess. And part of that mess is that everyone is afraid. And let me tell you, Christians are the most afraid people that you'll ever meet. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, let's, let's be honest. Sometimes Christians embarrass ourselves. Sometimes we embarrass ourselves. But sometimes Christians, we're embarrassing. What are Christians doing acting so afraid? we got to you know, put up walls and get guns and do all this because we're terrified. It's Christians at the forefront of this. And the, the, the gospel is, don't be afraid. Jesus comes and says, what are you afraid of? The, the grave is dead. I came out of it. There's no more grave anymore. Don't, what are you afraid of? And Christians are living so uh, afraid. God is calling us into a relationship where fear is pushed out. Fear is pushed out. Now listen, Again, I know some of you are dealing with some scary things. And that it's really easy to get up and say, don't be afraid. And that's why Jesus wants to be present. That's why he wants to keep showing up in your experience. That's why he says, I'll meet you in Galilee, but he just can't stay away. He wants to be there. He wants to be a part of your experience, and he wants to bring you encouragement. And so God is calling us into this relationship where we recognize that he's revealing himself to us. And then that we're open to let him do his thing in us so that he can push out the fear that we're experiencing. There's nothing like a relationship uh, of love that doesn't have fear. You know, thank God when I go on a date with my wife now, uh, there's no more fear. You know what I'm talking about? Now when I go on, a, that first time, it was, it was a little touch and go. But now, usually, there's no fear. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Sometimes there's a little fear. No. When we go, when we go out to dinner now, there is, there's no, no fear. There's just love. Because we, I know, we, we know the, our relationship. We know the boundaries of our relationship. We know that the other person cares for each other. And this is the kind of relationship that God is calling 
uh, us into. He reveals himself to us so he can live in relationship with us. He wants to abolish fear so that we can live in right relationship with him. And he's calling us to embrace him so that he can do in us what we cannot do for ourselves. Jesus' invitation to Mary and his mother was not to be afraid, and that is not an instruction, that's an empowerment. Yes. God is empowering us to live without fear as we embrace him and let him to continually reveal himself to us. Don't be afraid. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter uh, 8, that, that, that great articulator of this good news, he writes uh, this word, these words about the events of Matthew chapter 8, about the resurrection. He writes these words. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to the things that scare us? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't be afraid. God reveals himself to us so that we can live in healthy and whole and loving relationship with him where fear is cast out. May we be people who are fearless. Amen.